This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. Tommy, what do we got? I guess we're going to go back in a time machine. Oh, and it kind of talks about what we're talking about a little bit today. We're going to uh, go back to the summer of 1943 and look into... I mean, again, I don't know how much history this is. I guess there's a history of something. We've talked about some conspiracies before. So we're going to look at the um, Philadelphia Experiment, which has actually spawned two movies. I don't think they were like big time movies, but there are movies out there about it, a lot of rumors with it. So we're going to basically take a deep dive into this for a few minutes and look at the Philadelphia Experiment, what it was, why it's, why it was considered a big deal and why people still talk about it today, 70 years after. Yep. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if this is history, right? But it kind of is. I feel like there's a lot of things here that are historical. Well, something happened. Something happened. Yeah, something happened, it's in, right? It's in the backdrop. Like we said, this is 1943. So the United States was already involved in Battle World of the War Atlantic. Yeah, yeah, the Battle Atlantic going on. The American destroyers were fighting the uh, German U-boats. And in a Philadelphia shipyard, they had a newly commissioned destroyer, right? The USS yeah. Eldridge um, was being equipped with a bunch of these giant um generators basically and the idea was to try to make them invisible to radar i mean there's ufos there's einstein there's nazis there's yeah, u.s navy this, there's yeah. world war ii yeah, yeah this everything. is history this is this everything is big, right this is like a george lucas movie yeah that's right that's right <laughs> rendered by uh two history teachers Wonderful. but nonetheless i i think at the end of the day, this is an urban legend, right? This is kind of a, a World War II conspiracy. And I know you don't like conspiracies, but it's, you know, it kind of warrants talking about it. Um, so I guess we're going to talk about this Philadelphia experiment. Was this really true? I mean, is there any truth to it? You know, we'll kind of take a look at it. Well, so but the history, I guess we can say we're looking at the history of the conspiracy and the history of yep. the of where these paranormal investigators say something did happen. Because the, El- yep. the Elbridge is a real ship. There's real photos of yep. it. So it exists. There were sailors who were on it. And some of them say, yeah, there was some crazy stuff going on. So I guess we'll look into it. Yep. All right. So that's, I figure what we'll do is we'll kind of go through the event that supposedly happened. Then we'll go back a little bit and talk about how this event came to be known. And we'll talk about how to kind of who made that happen. And then we'll kind of debunk and or support some of the findings that we have um, with regards to what actually happened. And then we'll probably talk a little bit about the movies that came out from it, although I've never seen them. And then we'll go from there. So. Right. According to legend, let's just start that way. Right. October 28th, 1943, USS Eldridge. Right. It's a cannon class destroyer. It is supposedly conducting this top secret experiment designed to win the battle of the Atlantic against the Axis powers. Right. So basic premise. Uh, The rumor is that the government is creating this technology that's going to render this naval ship invisible to enemy radar. Right. That's that's basically what it was using electromagnet, powerful magnets, basically. Yep. That's what I did. Yeah, they, didn't they put on like massive generators? Um, That's basically what they had these massive generators. And they this was done in broad daylight in plain sight of other ships. They threw on these generators and they humped they basically came on. And then what a lot of witnesses say that this eerie green blue glow or green blue um, fog mm-hmm. started happening. And then according to the legend, I guess instantaneously, the Elbridge just disappeared. Like yep. not just to radar, but just gone, just vanished into thin air. No one knows what happened to it. And then hours later, it supposedly reappeared in the Norfolk Naval Shipyard in Virginia. Yep. And that's so time and space. It, it bends time and space. space. Bent time and space, teleported. They don't think this was necessarily what they were trying to do. Maybe some people say that was what they're trying to do, but some some crazy things happened, right? And I guess in in 
some crazy things happen not just to the ship but to the crew which i'm sure you found some of that stuff right yeah i remember I seeing this remember that old show i know they brought it back i think on netflix what um unsolved mysteries yep, yep i remember yep. seeing when i was a kid i remember the philadelphia experiment being on that and i remember one of it was they talked about like a lot of these sailors popped up they had burns but the thing I remember as a kid, it kind of freaked me out. And then yeah, about a, it again here was that the sailors were like part of the ship. Like they're like, they were like, they were, embedded. They were literally embedded, were embedded in the steel. Yeah. Like they were still alive with the arms and their torso were like hanging through parts of the ship and stuff like that. Because they like rematerialized in the ship itself. Yep. Yeah. Overall, they said, uh, suffered terrible burns, disorientation. Um, then there was this embedded in the, in the hull. There, the other one was somewhere where just like, besides being fused with the ships, a lot of people supposedly went insane. Like a lot of the, yeah. the members of the crew eventually went insane. Some mysterious illnesses, people died shortly thereafter, you know, some stuff that definitely gives you nightmares of what supposedly happened. This is all kept super secret. The military, accidentally somehow teleports a whole ship. And what they're really trying to do is they're trying to do something with the unified field theory, right? By which is Einstein. a, which is a honest Einstein theory, which was, which was never proved. Yep. Um, and essentially it was trying to, the idea was to like bend light also um, around objects so you could render them invisible. There's supposedly this was their test experiment of trying to make this ship invisible however what they did is they supposedly accidentally by they i mean the government or the u.s navy supposedly made it disappear altogether as you mentioned they bent space they bent they basically bent space time yep yep yep, yep. and all right. this all comes this all comes because of a letter right i'm sure you saw yep. that it was a letter yep. um by a man named carl m allen better known as carlos miguel right that's what yep. he said they said allen dell miguel allen yeah, allen dell yeah um, and it was basically, he wrote this letter that got sent to, I don't know who it got sent to, but it, 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 it was sent out. to Morris K. Jessup. He was an author yes, of a right. book about UFOs. It was called the case for the yeah. UFO. Yeah. Right. And he said that he's witnessed a, the secret experiment in the Philadelphia Naval Yard. So that's when all this stuff starts to come out. Yeah. This is 56. He and, sends us in 56 yeah. on the event that happened in 43. And, and so that's the beginning of this conspiracy theory of the Philadelphia experiment. Yep. So in his, in these letters that he's writing to this um, you know, an author essentially, it's a sci- science fiction author, right, uh, Jessup. So Miguel Allendel is writing these letters to him, and and he's as you said, he's describing this idea of, hey, listen, there is this unified field theory, and the United States Navy tried to put it into um, fruition, I guess, and I was there to witness it. And he starts writing these letters over and over against relativity, electromagnetism, and he claims that he. Um, witnessed these events in 43. Again, nothing really happens from these letters. This guy's almost like a, like a weird fanboy writing letters to this sci-fi author. But then the sci-fi author, Jessup, is actually contacted by the Navy's Office of Naval Research. Basically, kind of like, think of us like a police force of the yeah, Navy. There's like an official, there's an official sheet on this. Yep. You can actually um, find a line from the Department of the Navy yeah, that, that talks Yeah, about no, it. they do investigation, full-blown investigation. Essentially what happens is, so Jessup is the author, is contacted by the Navy's Office of Naval Research, and they said that they received the, a package containing Jessup's book about UFOs with an, annotations that claimed that extraterrestrial technology allowed the United States government to make breakthroughs in unified field theory. Now, this book... It's kind of some weird details here, but here's just a regular fiction book. And all in the margins, you have apparently three different shades of blue. So it looks like there's three different authors that potentially annotated this fictional book. And in it, supposedly, one of them is even like an extraterrestrial 
supposedly. And what it does is um, these annotations are trying to showcase that what Jessup was writing about as fiction actually transpired in this naval shipyard in Philadelphia in the 40s. So these guys, you know, the the Navy is like question this guy's like, what do you know about this? And he's like, I don't know. I mean, this random guy has been sending me letters for the past few years. And Jessup kind of becomes obsessed with this. Like, why? Yeah. What's happening with these? Like, is this really true? Like, is what I'm writing about? Did it actually happen? And apparently he becomes super disturbed and obsessed with it to the point that he actually takes his own life in 1959. I'm looking at the actual paper from the office of the Navy. They're basically, they're basically coming up that this whole thing is science fiction, right? Yeah. That the Navy's coming out and they say the Office of the Navy Research has never conducted any investigations on invisibility, which we'll talk about that a little bit later about. There's a lot of other explanations with this, right? Yeah. Either in 1943 or any other time, in view of the present scientific knowledge, Office of the Navy scientists do not believe that such an experiment could be possible except in the realm of science fiction. So they're outright, the Navy's outright saying we've never done this and it's only possible in science fiction. But again, that's coming from the Navy. So if, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you're not going to think that. The government that you think is hiding this is going to come out and say, yeah, we did do this. So, What do we know about this guy himself? Whatever happened to Allendale? Do we know? Well, they don't even know who he was because he never really like this kind of his firsthand accounts. But what does happen later on is you do have a, um, I guess, another person come out in the 80s. You yep. saw this? Yep. After there, in, the, in 1988, there was a movie that came out called The Philadelphia Experiment, which I guess we'll talk about. Okay, It was a Hollywood movie. I don't know if it was a big movie and I don't remember it. What basically happened is this man by the name of Al Bleak. He came forward and basically talked about that he was on the Elbridge and he survived. And he was brainwashed to forget about what he saw. And that after he saw the movie, he remembered everything. And then there's other explanations that have come out since then. Uh, the idea is to make them invisible so that the magnetic torpedo is fired by U-boats wouldn't be able to find them. That was really the idea. That whole greenish-blue glow was something called St. Elmo's Fire, not that movie yep, from the 80s. No, it's yeah, basically like yeah. a weather phenomenon, right? Where it's like plasma is created by all this discharge. From a, like a rod, like that air gets kind of gets ionized or something, and it, and it can happen. There's been yeah, and so I guess what we're it. talking about, what we're talking about now is is more or less like what actually did, like what was if there was any, what could have happened, any, yeah, what were what the actual happened. experiments, right? Yeah. Well, what you're talking about this, the glow part, that's actually stems from the gauzing. I think is that what it's called? Um, yeah. So it enables ships to scramble their magnetic signature. So that was why there was real generators placed on the ship itself. Yeah, and yeah, actually the yes. ship was wrapped in these like large cables. And what it did is they zapped this high voltage charges through the cables. It would not make the ship invisible to radar, but what it would do is it would make them undetectable by U-boats magnetic torpedoes. Um, and that makes total to sense as something that you could see the, the Navy working on in 1943, you know, trying to win the Battle Atlantic. Like I, why wouldn't they not try to make their ships invisible to torpedoes? That's something that would make sense. And they and said that that was probably what gave it a green glow. And then the other aspect of it was, well, how come this ship potentially appeared in Virginia, right? So that was explained later that the U.S. Navy used these inland canals that were off limits and secretive to commercial vessels. And basically, you can make a trip from Philadelphia to Norfolk, Virginia in less than six hours, rather than the two days that some people claimed that it would yeah, take. And that's that what was so weird. Take, yeah that it was seen there. Uh, Philadelphia Inquirer reported in 1999, there was a reunion of sailors who served on the real USS Eldridge, right? And the union was in Atlantic City. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present 
If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. And they said that the ship never actually docked in Philadelphia. Supposedly, it was in Brooklyn, New York, on the supposed date of his disappearance. Um, and then they checked back. Again, there's so many documentaries done on this. And, and so that the ship's log confirms this, that it was actually not in Philadelphia. But also during this reunion, apparently the captain said that no experiments were ever conducted on the vessel. But we know that there were these degaussing experiments happening. So again, fishy, potentially, maybe. And also, like, the Elbridge was, like, still used in the war and was it wound up, like, being around. And it was first commissioned, like you said, in 43. It served in North Africa, Southern Europe. It was eventually transferred to Greece. It was recommissioned. It was finally decommissioned in 1992 and sold as scrap. Yeah. There's been, like, other things spun off in this. There's something I've, I saw found the, um, the Montauk Project, which is kind of like a spinoff conspiracy theory, what they kind of basically say it is. Floors a lot of the same ideas of the Philadelphia experiment. They're saying it was basically based off the Philadelphia experiment dealing with time travel and teleportation. It's a book that dis- that describes this. And um, same thing. They're saying based on the Philadelphia experiment, there's these other things in the Maltalk project. So there's all these other things. But Alan is the only person who really come forward other than that leak individual that say that they were on the ship and stuff like that. So, but it's one of those things that people just believe because why not? It sounds interesting. It sounds fun, I guess. I mean, not if you were stuck in a ship, but you know what I mean? Teleportation, yeah, yeah. right? Einstein's theory. Like the idea is this is based in science. This is people that are using technology you don't understand. Like if you think about it, imagine when the war is over and you finally found out, oh, how the war end? Oh, we dropped these atomic bombs. Like that's science fiction at the time too. Yeah. No one knew about that. So why not? Invisibility, teleportation, time travel. They're probably messing with all these other crazy things and accidentally stumbled upon something. I just want to kind of jump back real quick to the Montauk experiment that you mentioned, because this totally ties in. Well, with it kind of bridges off. Yeah, it, it basically does. It's that same mindset, right? It's the same beliefs in this dimensional travel, right? Aliens. Yeah. I guess we forgot to talk about that. A lot of people say, too, that the whole Philadelphia experiment was just experiments with alien technology or aliens helped yep. us do it. But that's a whole other thing. Yep. Yeah. Supposedly, just going back real quick, the Montauk Project actually stems from a Camp Hero State Park in Long Island. Supposedly, 1970s and 1980s, the government conducted these experiments in mind control and telepathy, opening space-time portals to other dimensions, um, contacting alien life, abducting runaway children, actually. And the tie-in to the Philadelphia experiment between the Montauk and the Philadelphia experiment is kind of very interesting if you look into this story. It all stems from, as we just talked about, the 1984 movie, The Philadelphia Experiment, right? So the movie itself follows two sailors that serve on the USS Eldridge, right, during World War II. We know that. And just like in history, the experiment crew finds itself and the ship blinked 40 years forward in time. That's the movie. That's not really what supposedly happened. But once in the future, they realized that the Philadelphia experiment had been revived in the 80s. And actually, it was a way for the government to make like uh, ICBM Cold War shield kind of thing. So the two experiments connected through a time wormhole. And the generators on the Eldridge kept the portal open as it kind of sucks in matter from 1984. That's the premise of the movie itself, right? But how, you know, why does that matter? Which is kind of interesting because what happens here is 
a 57 year old man, Al Bielik. Bielik, I think it's Bielik. Bielik. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, that was the guy yeah. I was talking about. Before. So, like, let's kind of get into the story because this is insane. Like, Al Bielik, he saw the Philadelphia Experiment in '88. And as he's watching it, he's like, wait, like I know this from somewhere. Yeah, he's um, like, all these things, all these ideas started coming back. And that, yeah. um, he, that he worked with it on, with his brother. And yeah, he said it was like a repressed memories. Yeah. yeah, repressed memories. And he was f- flat out. He said, I wor- he worked on a Montauk project in the 70s and 80s. And apparently, based on his memories, um, his memories had been kind of locked away to keep the experiment secret. And what happens is once you watch that movie, he realized, wait a second, my name is not really Abielic. My name, real name is Edward Cameron. And I actually yeah. worked on the Philadelphia experiment with my brother, like you said, Duncan Cameron, in their 20s in 1943. And he was like, wait, how did, how, wait, what's going on here? Like he was kind of opening these, his mind up. So he presents his story to a mutual UFO network conference. And he says that the Philadelphia experiment was real. And he was there when he was 20. And he was proof that, you know, he lived in World War II. And then sometime in 1940s, apparently what, what happens is there's this time wormhole that opened into the future that sucked the ship into it. And, and as they he, were and as they were in it, they jumped out, right? They yes. jumped out into the water. And then they wound up in um, Montauk's Camp Hero, which yep. is in New York. Yep. On and August 12th, he re- 1983. Yeah. And that the military then sent them back in time, like go back onto the ship back through the wormhole, excuse me, to go destroy the equipment on the Elbridge. Which is crazy. And then he's like, really, he says he had all, he has proof for all this, that he was de-aged, his memory was wiped, and he was forced to live out the rest of his life as Bellic. And then that explained how the early 1960s, he convinced his father to have another child so they could port Duncan's consciousness from 1983 into the sibling in 1963. And you, you can find all this on YouTube. There's a there's like interviews with this guy, like talking about this, Bella talking yeah. about this, saying, yeah. talking about all this. So you can do like a crazy deep dive into this stuff. I mean, and this is kind of, this is interesting too for modern listeners because the whole premise of Stranger Things really comes from this. Stranger Things was this initially called Str- Montauk. Yeah. This is all, like, it's based on the Montauk mysteries of the Montauk Chronicles or something like that, yeah. like, uh, short stories and books. So yeah, if you, this is basically the inspiration to Stranger Things. And then he gets into this idea that there's children that are being and brought in, like him and his brother, for this the experiment. The Montauk boys, yeah. And yeah, they're and being yeah. sent through portal into unknown of space-time. Like, it literally, Stranger Things, like, lifts this theory. Okay, right? Because if you read more, there's, there's things like the Montauk monster. Like, not the – there's a different type of Montauk monster. Like he's summoning monsters, right, from other dimensions. That that's what's going on, right? So these psychic things, brainwashing. And, like, this is stuff that, if you research – it kind of relates back to another item that we can not go into, but I know we've talked about before, um, MK Ultra, which is something that really did happen, was all this illegal human experimentation program that was undertaken by the CIA during this time, where they're basically testing the effects of LSD on people about and trying to find ways to like hypnotize people. All this like Cold War stuff, sensory desperation, electroshocks, hypnosis. It was real, like you know, MK Ultra is real. You can totally find information about that. That all dates back, right? Project Paperclip. Unit 731, all that stuff. So the governments and governments do some odd things out there, which I'm not saying Philadelphia Experiment, Montauk Project are real, but when you look at some of these other things that really did happen, that's what gives it a little bit of credence. That's what people really say, you know what, maybe it's not totally out of the realm. If A, B, and C happened, why can't X, Y, and Z, you know? Yeah. And Duncan Cameron, apparently, so Edward Cameron's brother, he was like a walk-in soul child version, age 63. Did you see that? That he supposedly had the psychic yeah. powers? And they stuck him in these Montauk chair experiments, um, and he could manifest objects by thinking about them while in this chair. 
slightly. So like yours is a little bit more legit. This is more of like supposedly what happened. And you can go, Camp Hero is still around. I mean, you can't go there, but I guess they have like, but you can look online, the pictures, it's like um, abandoned radar towers and stuff like that. And it's like one of those like urban decay types of places, but it says like, you know, do not come, no trespassing. It's sketchy looking. <laughs> Crazy. That pretty much covers it. It's a nice short one. We've been, we've been on a roll these short ones. We got to do a longer one of these days. Yeah, but we'll go, we'll do a deeper dive into some of these. But again, this is just kind of one of those topics that get a little information out there, have people kind of, uh, I don't know. Yeah, form your own opinions it. on. Yeah, let us, let us know what you think. Sounds Just good. Just a little taste. Just a little taste. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in once more to listen to our podcast. And if you want to contact us, you could find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. Please feel free to leave a review wherever you do listen to this podcast. We do greatly appreciate those. And I hope everyone has an awesome week. Enjoy. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.